You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To be or not to be, that is the question. Will we survive in the Premier League this season? Whether it's nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. Yes, I'm talking to you, Chris Kavanagh, with your decisions from the game against Manchester United earlier in the season. Um, And indeed, the luck we've had. Well, someone who's at the centre of the stage this evening is our special guest joining us for the second time. And apologies for that intro, Johnny. It's Johnny Cantor. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm very well. I don't think I'll be able to do any Shakespearean English, but um, hopefully I can provide some kind of insight anyway. That's all right. I think I've exhausted mine already. Um, We've got also another player on this stage is Andy Bravery, who's joining us as as, uh, quite often he does. Hello to you, Andy. Hi there. Evening. Excellent. And the, um, the, the general thrust of this um, episode is it's the half-term report. We've reached 19 games in the season in the league, a little bit later in the season than we normally would have done in terms of the, the timings. Um, but we are halfway there. We finished that half in, in style with a win at Leeds. Always a pleasure. And in fact, it's always happening pretty much. Five wins in six, I think, Ellen Road now. Um, so that certainly puts a, a positive slant on things. Um, but wanted to really mainly focus, Johnny, on your perceptions of this season so far. 19 games in, halfway there. We are currently staying out of the top, uh, out of the bottom three. We are staying out of the top three as well. Um, <laughs> and uh, what's your assessment of it overall, first of all? We'll get into some of the details in a minute, but the overall view? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you, I think you have to look at the brass tacks. You have to look at where they are in the table. You have to look at, um, you know, how many points that they've got. And if you compare that with last season, I think it's three less than last season, five less than the season before, and four the, less than the season before that. So from that point of view, it's it's disappointing because you're hoping to build on on that. Um, obviously, you know, there's still half the season to go. So um, I think it's also you look at the different makeup of the there's teams within the Premier League and you look at like, you know, are there certain teams that are going to be cut adrift? Is there just, you know, six or seven that are all in contention to, to go down? And that is a factor as well. But, you know, I think 
I think there's a lot to be positive about, but I think there's also some sort of trends that maybe are slightly concerning as well. Because if you had to give a remark, I don't know, would it, would it be a B, um, you know, something like that maybe? I mean, it, it's difficult to see more because, we, you know, you get a lot of pleasure from watching it, but at the same time, it's about results as well. So um, you might say that if we're keeping the Shakespearean theme, it might be that, you know, your your essay on William Shakespeare is, you know, the style is very, very good, but there's a few grammatical errors in there as well. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, I think I think that's probably a fair assessment so far. And um, you'd certainly think giving it for effort, you'd probably probably go along those lines. Richard, one of our um, regular contributors who's unable to join us tonight, I mean, he, he subsequently just sent in a, a message to say his view was um, clearly working hard in the classroom, but still finding some subjects challenging, needs to demonstrate learnings more consistently in the exam room to boost results, but clear signs of potential for improvement in the second term and need to cut out the occasional lapses in concentration, which can undo otherwise good work. Daydreaming, if it is going on a classroom <laughs> theme, you can probably call it. Um, I think that's probably true. I think individually, we've had a few lapses, haven't we? People like Adam Webb, so we've mentioned in the past, have had moments of lapses of concentration at key moments, even though they've been very good overall this season. Um, I think Lewis Dunk had a little bit of a wobbly spell after he came back from injury. Um, Obviously, we've had other other players here and there have made lapses too. But I think overall, I'd agree with you, Johnny. I think it's um, it's a work in progress. I personally see it as a very big project that's on a, a long run. And we're in the early stages of it still, really, in, in getting everything together, getting Graham's mm. preferred team together, um, which is going to be over several windows, probably, in essence. Um, and really just, just finding partnerships the criticism has been that he's he's tinkered a lot and he's used a large number of players he's rotated maybe too much that may be true but for me I think the point is that he's gradually getting a larger number of people used to each other on a grand scale that might be a risky one in the short term but I think if if over time he can have that larger number of people used to playing uh, together um, then any combinations could then work more effectively later down the line that's where I'm possibly thinking things are going with this um the quick words Andy I don't know if you've got anything to say at this point of your overviews for the half season before we go back to Johnny just, yeah I mean I think we're just it's a bit like last season really I remember last last season someone asking me beginning of March you know how how did I think it was going to go the rest of the season well I remember saying I wasn't I wasn't overly confident at the time because I couldn't see where the wins were coming from hmm. um and then we, we managed to squeeze a few. And it's a bit like that. I feel a bit like that now. You know, I think we're really on a cusp. If we could get two or three wins together, we'll be mid-table. But if we don't, you know, if we don't get any points for two or three games, then we're going to be in the relegation zone and going the wrong way. Um, you know, it's tight as that, really. It's as tight as that. And I just think that um, I can't quite work out at the moment whether I think it's that we need to be better defensively or we need to score more goals. Because sometimes I think it's about the goals, but other times I think, well... We've got a couple of clean sheets, you know, and we got a goal. Then we get our six free points and that, and that will put us in a much better position. So, I, I mean, I could be probably persuaded either way, although I made my mind up after the Palace game that I'm sticking with Potter and this is the kind of football I want to see. And hopefully, um, you know, we can, he can help to um, generate a, a, you know, a more penetrative um, system and we can get the points we need to, stay up and then he gets a third a third year to do what he wants to do with the squad yeah would you 
go along with that, Johnny? Do you think that there's a bigger project here that we need to stick with regardless? Yeah, I, 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 well, I, I don't know about regardless because you never know what's going to happen. But what I would mm. say is it's interesting that the combination or the balance between perhaps um, attack and defence. So if you look at it, um, was it 22 goals scored, 29 against last season, 22 for 28 against. Um, so actually they've conceded the most uh, goals in the first half of the season in the Premier League than ever before, but actually they've scored more goals than, than ever before. Mm. So everyone keeps talking about not taking chances. For me, the chances, because it's about both boxes often. I know the middle bit of the pitch is important as well, but yeah, people talk about not taking chances. They're not taking the chances that they create. That's the issue. And they're creating more chances. I think there's a few things here. You talk about preferred team for Graham Potter. I just, I'm not sure that really exists because he is one of these people that is happy to rotate because if he gives opportunities, because he wants to keep everybody happy. And I think that's, that could, I mean, that it's, it's an interesting dynamic actually, because it is important because if you get injuries like there are at the moment, you want to bring the best out of those people, don't you? And 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 be a, allow them to just very seamlessly move into the starting eleven. And and he does that very successfully, I think, because I think a lot of people were quite fearful of what was going to happen this week, and actually it turned out to be not a bad week. One 0 defeat against Man City, um, and a good win against Leeds. So I think that rotation is the flexibility that he wants. But he needs, he's still getting the, the churn of players is still happening. You know, when we see Bernardo go, um, you know, we've, we've seen Karl Povnik uh, come in. You know, these are the younger players that he can help develop. And that's where the club is going in terms of recruitment. And I think that's a really important thing because you talk about the longer term project. He is right at the front, sort of the coal face of it. There's a lot of things working in the background, but he is there to manage that process as well on the pitch. And so those players that are being brought through with a certain types of profile and everything as well. And we are seeing a change in recruitment. There's no two ways about it. The, the, the different types of players that are coming in, um, that will continue to change. They'll continue to develop younger players internally and externally as well. I think the only thing for me is, is about expectation. I know a lot of the fans had a bit of a wobble with Graham Potter when he said about what do Albion fans expect? Um, and I think that is the issue. It's really what expectation, because people saw this wonderful football and it was a great end to the season last season, people's expectations are probably a little bit higher than they probably would have been normally. Um, so actually where they are is probably about where they are, really. Everyone would be hoping for mid-table. Everyone would be fearful of being in the bottom three. But in terms of you know there or thereabouts, it's probably where people would be expecting them to be, um, particularly outside the football club. Yeah, Andy. I mean, I... Going back to the thing about the, the sense of tinkering, I'm beginning to wonder whether Graham Potter, to some extent, actually thinks he is tinkering or whether he just thinks that he's trying to create a, a, you know, a squad and a culture that actually you get used to playing in different positions and we change our formations. And sometimes we do that game to game and sometimes we do that within a game. I guess the only thing for me in amongst all that at the moment is when you've got someone young, relatively young, like, um, you know, like Ben White in there. I'd like, I would like to see him given an opportunity in his first season in the Premiership to play one position for a significant number of games. Not that he can't do those other positions, but, you know, that poor boy's been all over the place. And I just think he needs, he needs a run of 10, 15 games, whether that be centre midfield or one of the three centre backs. But so, so on that one, I, I'm, I'm not sure he's got it quite right with, with Ben White, but um, 
I, I just get this. I don't know what you think, Johnny, but I'm getting the sense now that actually this is just how Potter is really. And he just thinks the players should be able to adapt to it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think a lot of people were surprised with Stephen Alzate starting at right back at times. You know, you're sort of thinking, hang on, you know, he looks a great midfielder. Why would you change that? Uh, for somebody who I've been talking about, I'm not just saying because he's had two games, but Alexis McAllister needs to be played as a number 10. Now, the way that he was setting up the team, there wasn't any real room for him and he can't play off the left, or he can, but he's not as effective. So, but I, I truly believe he won't be sticking McAllister at number 10 for every single game. It's just not what he's about. He will adapt. He'll look at the team. You know, a lot of people thought that Bissouma would come straight back in, didn't they? But, you know, he had a particular attack. And you've got to say, he got his tactics right this week, didn't he, in terms of the Leeds game and probably, and probably Manchester City as well. So, I think you're right. I think it just, that isn't going to happen. You know, I think you're right. He himself has said Ben White is a defender, you know, like that's his best position, but he actually can do a job for him. Is that because there's, you know, a lack of, um, you know, because Proper's coming back from injury. Does he not necessarily trust certain players in centre of midfield, whereas he does trust Ben White? Um, It's like a little jigsaw constantly, isn't it? He's just like a little puzzle that he keeps moving around. But I don't know. He is, I think he is somebody who, you know, if you look at someone like a Sean Dyche, if they're doing all right, he'll play the same team week in, week out. Bang, 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 bang. I don't think that'll ever happen. Even if they get three wins on the trot, I still don't think that Graham Potter would do that personally. Um, so, and that might, I think that can be quite frustrating for fans because you sit, you know, you must sit there and think, well, hey, we've done really, really well. Is it going to be the same team against Fulham? Probably not. Um, I know we got Blackpool before that. So, I can see why some people scratch their heads. It's quite annoying as a commentator because I can't plan for who's going to be in the starting 11, that's for sure. And even when I do see the starting 11, I sometimes don't even know who's playing in what position um, <laughs> as well. But what it does is it does he does have flexibility. And I think flexibility is good because you don't know who's going to get injured. You know, to, to think, well, maybe we probably knew that maybe Lalana and Welbeck would have a period out. But to lose Lamptey as well, you know, probably the best player of the first 10 games, You've got to adapt, haven't you? So suddenly he's thinking, right, how do I adapt the whole team to be better? Not just who am I going to replace Lamptey with? Because you can't. You can't replace Tarrant Lamptey. So you have to change the whole format of the team, depending on the opponent as well. And I think that's what Graham Potter's all about. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, and I, you sort of alluded to it a little bit with something you said earlier. Um, the Albion do tend under Potter to, um, to use youth quite a bit. I mean, Broadly speaking, we've got virtually half the team has come through the youth ranks in one one degree or other um, in most starting lineups. Um, particularly, we look at Solly now. Obviously, Sanchez in goal. Dunk, of course, who's a longer term uh, addition to the to the first team. Um, and then there's there's usually two, a couple of others. Ben White, of course, being one of the other ones. Um, so there is that. Graham is very much about um, bringing youth in and giving them a chance. We even saw, is it Kedra? I think the the guy mm. or Kedra who's um, yeah, who's I really think, highly rated by the club. Yeah, and he, he, yeah, yeah, and really looking forward to seeing how it pans out for him. He only had a brief cameo as a sub to make his debut against. I think it was against City, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but he came on, didn't he? And he had that little run, and he thought, yeah. "Well, hang on a second, a better delivery or a slightly different option, you know." And he could have pulled off, you know, well, been instrumental in an equaliser. So, no, yeah, I mean, he, he looked bright, and and we've we've now got, as you said, we've got uh, the young lad from um, Poland's joined. Well, two two lads, haven't we? We've got Moda and uh, uh, the the left back as well, who's now going to come in, and you mm. can you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar they're going to get some time this season. Um, Zakiri will get more time as well. And it's integrating those players and 
as I said, the ones from the youth team that we've mm. developed ourselves. And we're doing that at the top level. You know, in the past, we probably weren't as good as we could have been at doing that at a lower level. <laughs> so here we are now with a manager who's who's managing to do it, okay, maybe better tools in, in his toolbox, but he's, he's managing to do that at, at such a high level, which is great. And the other point is um, the general average age is lower now. That's obviously a clear policy by both Graham and the club. Um, when you compare it, for example, to our dear friends in South London, who, who've got the exact opposite problem of, um, I mean, they've just, they've just put in a very, a very older age group as the average, don't they? Um, or they have been. Um, it's a positive step, isn't it, for us? I think that we're able to integrate these players. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's also about, um, I, I talked about Graham being like the focal point towards the pitch and the fixtures, but what's happening behind? You know, the club is about sustainability. We're going through like an incredible amount of change for businesses of all kinds, let alone football as well. And Tony Bloom's, his own personal businesses, I'm sure would have been affected by what's happened. But even prior to that, they were looking at being sustainable. And that's, you know, we're all sort of wary of what has happened in the past as a, as a club and what's happened. And so it's about having that sort of ability that if something happens, you still can deal with that change. If that's someone coming to steal your best players, you've got someone coming through the ranks. If that's in terms of a loss of revenue, it might be that you want to sell someone, but you've got someone to come in there. It's about bringing people in, sending them out on the right kind of loans to improve them as players, whether that's Matt Clark in the, in, in the championship or whether it's, um, you know, uh, Alex uh, Cochran or someone like that, or Max Sanders or, you know, these players that we're seeing on the bench, whatever it may be or whatever level, it's about sustainability. And I think that's a really key word when it comes to the Albion. Um, and that's what's happening, you know, in terms of looking at new talent. They, you know, we had Christophe Terreur, the Belgian journalist, come on the podcast and he was talking about how really Brighton and Hove Albion were ahead of Manchester City even in terms of setting up links with foreign clubs like Union Saint-Gilloise to get players through now, like Percy Tau. We wouldn't be seeing him if he hadn't have gone through that process. And that's the foresight of people like Tony Bloom to allow that pathway. And, and actually, you've got someone who cost, I don't know, what was it, four, five million quid? Um, and, you know, you know, he'd probably be a lot worth a lot, a lot more than that now after three years of playing in Belgium in the Champions League. So I think sustainability is key as well. Yeah, definitely. I think the setup is is in good hands, isn't it? Every every element of the club seems to be very very efficiently run. Um, we're not going to get everything right, of course. It's it's a miracle if we did, mm. but um, we're getting a lot of things right, and I think that's the key. Um, just thinking about players for both of you, actually, the question um, in terms of what you've seen of the squad as it is this season. Um, what what have been your impressions? I mean, first of all, just quick quick word on goalkeepers. What's your take on the goalkeeper situation, Johnny? Because um, obviously we've seen young Sanchez come through and do all things considered pretty well so far. There's obviously the curiosity of what's happening with Matt Ryan. I don't know if you have any insight into that. Um, you could tell us about or not, but um, what's your take on goalies, first of all? I think I first got alerted to the situation when the pre-season friendly, really, against Chelsea, when uh, Christian Walton was on the bench, um, you know, that he was quoted as saying, I want to really give, you know, be a challenge to Matty Ryan. He's someone the club has you know, been really impressed with for the last two, three years, really. Even, I think his debut was in the League Cup against uh, Tottenham away from home, I think. Um, yeah. I think, you know, he's a really talented goalkeeper. But he's he, he's really highly thought of by the club. So I re I immediately, so that sort of rang alarm bells in terms of he's here and that means that Ryan's under pressure. 
And I think, you know, them being linked to Mar Martinez, I think they do feel that they needed more of a presence. You can only defend for a certain amount of time in the Premier League. And I think somebody who commands their area was somebody that is something that they were looking to look for. You cannot deny the contribution that Matt Ryan has had in terms of staying in, term, in the Premier League. However, again, it's about this long-term vision. And also, come back to, you know, hate to say it, money. You know, they probably were thinking, hey, we've got a raft of keepers here. Are they good enough at the top level so we could actually release some money if we were to get some? Who could we get money for? Well, Lewis Dunk, Ibisuma, Ben White. Who do we want to lose? Or who can we afford to let go, as it were, is another is another one. So I think that is sort of, that was the dynamic in terms of that. Um, you know, Matt's done a brilliant job, but his future, I think, lies elsewhere. It's whether, you know, that'll be going out. I don't know if someone paying his wages or actually buying him. I don't know. Um, but I think they, you know, it would have been Walton. I think Walton would have been given a go, to be honest, if it hadn't have been for that injury. And then I think they just looked at their other options, you know, and they thought, hang on, Sanchez has done quite well. I mean, first time I saw him, he was probably a foot and a half shorter. So he certainly changed a little bit from that point of view. And, and, he, and he's done really, really well. So I think that's the dynamic. And they're thinking they could, might be able to get a return for Matty and therefore that could be used maybe to fund something else a lot, uh, further down the line. But I've been impressed by Sanchez. Um, sometimes he does look even a little bit too casual for my liking, but he's made some great mm -hmm. saves. Um, his distribution looks good. He comes for crosses. He's going to make mistakes. There's no two ways about it. He's young. He hasn't played that many games. So, and every goalkeeper makes mistakes. I don't care who you are. So it's just like Christian Walton would as well, or maybe Jason Steele has done in the last couple of weeks as well. So we've, we've seen the life of the goalkeeper. But no, I, I think in, in that position, I think they've got most things covered, to be honest. Um, so it, it's probably elsewhere that they'll probably be, be, be looking for. But uh, I hope people don't get on Sanchez's back if he does make a, an important mistake. Yeah. And you mentioned Steele, of course, he, he's had his contract extended because I think he fits, he's an asset in a different way, isn't he? He's a goalkeeper of a decent enough quality, as we've seen from one side of the FA Cup match, at least, <laughs> if mm. not the other. But he is, is generally a solid presence when needed. Yeah. And he's he's happy to be the number two, by all accounts, which is the crucial yeah. um, which, which asset. Which is what David Button probably wasn't. Um, and mm. David, you know, has someone who has played at the top level for, you know, for, for Lerm. And, uh, and he's, you know, I think he feels he still has a role to do that. I know he's number two and came in at the weekend for um, Bettinelli or whatever it was, but... I, I do think that that's right. He's quite happy being the number two and playing in the league and FA Cups and, and getting his opportunity there. So, yeah, he, he, he's a solid backup. And if someone got injured, they'd be quite happy to bring him in. Yeah, Andy. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, I thought I actually thought that was a really brave decision by Potter because if there's one position that you're going to pontificate about and I'm an R about, it's like changing your goalkeeper. Particularly as, you know, most of us would probably say, that um you know that that, that um, Ryan didn't hadn't really done a great deal wrong, but I have to say that the change to Sanchez, the two two areas that Johnny um sort of um made the point as well that that the distribution, but also the um the commanding of his box, and I thought against Leeds in particular that showed. I mean, and if you're a defender, there's nothing nicer than or sweeter than hearing the goalkeeper call from behind you, come flying through and get the ball. Just takes all the pressure off, you know. And I and I I think I've got to you've got to really applaud um, uh, Potter really for taking that that chance. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Takes pressure off the defenders, and I say, you know, it's all about concentration with defenders, isn't it? You know, you've got to concentrate all the time. And there's two things that help you: a goalkeeper behind you that is organised, communicates, and commands their area, 
And also, if you're scoring goals up the other end of the pitch, that takes a pressure off you as well. And then you can focus on defending because you're not having to defend every minute of the game. Because, right, let's let's let Percy Tower and Leandro Trossard and Alexis McCullough to do the business up the other edge. That gives me five minutes to re- recheck, reassert ourselves. Where are we? Who's going forward for this one? Who's not? And then go from there. So, yeah, I think you're, you're right. It's, it's brave, but inspired. Hmm. Just, just to add on onto that as well, I think that when we're defending corners, if you've got a goalkeeper who will come out at least to the six-yard box and claim the ball, then the, then the person taking the corner has got to rethink what they're going to do. And, you know, and that can help you actually um, try and erode some of that defensive, um, some of those defensive errors and some of that fragility that we've experienced. And, and, yeah, and as you say, those set pieces that have been a concern, yeah. haven't they? And, and it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it, to look at the set goals conceded from set pieces before and after Sanchez took over, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, I know it's also down to this sort of mixture of man marking and zonal marking, which some people, you know, a bit confusing to some of us. Um, um, but but maybe there is a sort of change in that now with Sanchez coming for more balls into the box from from, from free kicks and, and penal, uh, corners. And therefore, um, that zonal, that mix of zonal and man marking might work a little bit better in the second half of the season. Yeah, we do seem to have improved to some degree the defensive side. And in the other box, uh, I think we look more of a threat from set pieces. And I do think the, the former of those two um, is, is partly due to Sanchez. I think he's been a good addition. And uh, as you said, he'll make mistakes along the way, but he's looking he's looking a good addition. Um, just a quick word briefly on the other areas of the pitch with you, Johnny, before you have mm. to go. Um, defensively, in general, apart from what you've just said, um, any other observations of, of us as a, as a team or for, in regard to individuals? Um, I think the, uh, so the, the renaissance or the reinvention of Solly March has been probably one of the most outstanding turnarounds that I've seen mm. to refer, in, in recent years. I, I really like the guy. I really like him as a footballer. I really like him as a person. Um, but also he seems to have found a manager who, who is just perfect for him, you know, because I think Graham Potter is... You know, he is, he's a very intelligent man, but I think also he knows how to deal with certain types of players. And I think he knows how to deal with Solly. And I think he's, he's really given him the confidence to play that wing-back role. And we know he's got the energy to get up and down, you know, in the past. And even now, sometimes he doesn't whip crosses in because they don't have height or they don't have anyone in the box, which isn't necessarily his fault. And he's learning that defensive role. And again, he might make mistakes as well. Um, one thing defensively I would say as well is, is the loss of Tarek Lamptey because, again, you talk about going forward, again, it eases the pressure because they can, if he goes up on the right, they can all just shift across because Ben White can just slot in slightly, virtually going to a back four during a move. That's what they can do because if he's got that out, and of course now not having that at the moment, that has been, I think, you know, um, a bit of a blow um, for them defensively as well as obviously being the attacking threat that he is as well. But no, I think they've got some great players in there. They've got other players that could slot in there. I think Dan Boehm, a few people got on his back, but I thought, actually, I'm not sure any... I don't know a single defender who'd want to defend against Adama Traore, and he was given the job of doing it. The, the own goal was hardly his fault, to be honest. So, actually, I think that's a bit harsh, and I thought he played I thought he played really, really well. Actually, the back three played really well on, on Saturday. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any overriding concerns, to be fair, defensively. Um, maybe not having that screen, um, you know, that can be so effective. There was no Bissouma on Wednesday, was there? But he, you know, his 
consistent performances have been a massive boost, haven't they? I mean, I think week mm-hmm. in, week out, which is why everyone was surprised he didn't play on Wednesday. But, you know, what, what do I know? Um, I thought he would be straight back in there. Um, but um, but he, he obviously is, 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 is really at the top of his game at the moment as well. So I think, you know, midfield-wise yeah. is, is actually central midfield is an area that I'm, I don't understand why Alsace is not playing. Maybe there's injury illness. Maybe he just needs a bit of time or maybe he's struggling a little bit with something. David Proper, obviously, I think I do like the way he links up play. It was interesting to see David Proper maybe playing a more advanced role in recent games since he's been coming back. He's got into the box. He had a volley on target. Um, mm-hmm. He does that for his country. Maybe that's something that he, you know, he's asking again, David Proper to wear a slightly different role. It's just that you've got to be flexible because I may ask you to sit. I may ask you to go. Um, but I would say maybe a central midfielder is an area that perhaps they might be looking to strengthen, perhaps. But Moda, yeah. obviously, Jakob Moda is another option, and maybe that's why. Yeah, he could, he, he could be the man, and also Casado if we do get him later down the line as well, if the work permit happens. Um, it feels like things are fitting into place now, doesn't it? Components are getting into the right position, and you mentioned McAllister. Obviously, he's he's getting a run of games now. He's settled in. It's looking like you can see the player that we. Um, if we've seen him before, you you know he's a good player there um, mm. to to come in. And um, I'll come to Andy in a second, but just quickly to say about um, in that regard, also maybe Percy Tao will be a a guy who's also going to be a component part that fits in and and allows us to improve the other area of the pitch up front where Neil Morpay's perhaps struggled. Maybe he'll benefit, and others will benefit from having him in the setup somewhere as well. Um, but I don't know, Andy, did you want to quickly say something there? I wanted to just ask Johnny a, a quick question. I'd like to get your views, Johnny, on on Trossard, because I've, I've actually, he started the season really well. And I thought he was the one player we had who had the ability really to take, you know, a, a game by the scruff of the neck and, and dictate things and create things. And I have to say, on most occasions, I've been quite disappointed. And I just kind of wonder what your thoughts are on him and, and the way he's been playing this season. Yeah, um, I don't want to sound too much like Graham Potter, to be honest, but, you know, he has had a few niggling injuries, which I don't think have helped him. Um, funnily enough, I chatted to him last week, um, you know, for the tape and off the off the tape as well. And, you know, I think he's, he feels, I think he hasn't quite fulfilled his potential. I think even when I spoke to Christophe Terreur, who's watched a lot of him for Belgium, feels he thought he'd make more of an impact, to be honest. Um, and it's interesting, I talked about him as changing his physique and building up his strength a little bit because he felt quite lightweight when he first arrived. Um, you could see he had skills and was talented uh, technically, but I wasn't sure he was quite robust enough for the Premier League, and I think he's been working on that quite a lot. I just think he just sort of, he sort of fits in, he sort of flits in and out of games sometimes, because sometimes he looks like a world beater, but doesn't seem to be able to do it, you know, consistently over a game, if that sounds right. Um, I know you looked a bit disinterested at Newport County, but... Maybe we can forgive him that. I'm not sure anyone would be too interested in coming on in that, in that <laughs> position. But uh, no, I, I, think there's, I think there's more to come. I think, again, I'm not quite sure what his best role is, actually. I mean, personally, I love the McAllister in a 10 and him as one of the two strikers, him attacking mm. from the left, Tau from the right, maybe. Or, you know, um, well, that doesn't allow for Mope. But, you know, where does he fit in? Um, you've got Connolly, who, you know, obviously is another factor. Where does Welbeck play? I, I don't know. It's, it's difficult, really. Again, I would say someone like Trossard, and this is quite uh, interesting what you were saying about t- tinkering with the team. Some players really benefit from playing week in, week out. Some players, they can just actually come in and out and it doesn't really affect their game at all. Mm. 
one person I just refer back to, Baram Kyle. I thought he had to, you had to give him five games before he got there. When he got there, he had to play every week because he was consistent, but he needed that. He could he wasn't one of those players that could sort of play one game and then dropped out, the, you know, sit on the bench and then come back in. He just didn't quite get to the pace of it and everything. And I think there are certain players who are like that, whereas there may be some players who actually can be rotated. Somebody maybe like Danny Welbeck, who I think could probably play in one game, could actually sit on the bench for the next and then come back in because of his quality yeah. and experience, he'd probably be okay. I hope that makes sense. But so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think maybe Trossard might be somebody who isn't necessarily benefiting from being in and out of the team. He might actually mm. benefit from starting every game for five games, come off after 70, but you've done your bit every single week for that. And that might help, perhaps. Perhaps. But yeah, I, I he, hope there's more to come. Yeah, he's been playing well in the last few games. More goals as well. We need more yeah. goals. I mean, I'm not being funny. Yeah. The finishing is poor really, but the quality of the chances, and I'm not just saying him, I'm just talking about in general, they, they don't seem to strike the ball well for me. They're scuffed shots and over the yeah. back. And, uh, you know, I don't know, it's... Yeah, it's just... just it, it's mm. sort of, they, they don't actually look like they're going to test the keeper or beat the keeper at times. And, and that is quite, you know, concerning. Um, so, you know, but we know that he, you know, he can score goals, but, I, you know, you'd be expecting surely between five and seven from him in a season, maybe. I mean, he's, what, he's got two yeah. this season. I, I, I'd be expecting, I'd be expecting more, really. Hmm. OK, well, finally from you, because I know you have to go now, yeah. Johnny, but um, final word from you. Um, we've obviously finished the first half of the season on a high with a great win at Leeds 1-0. Um, we've been playing well recently in general. Those players that have come in that we've been waiting for for a couple of years, Tao and McAllister and others are looking good. How do you see it for the for the second half of the season? We're starting off that half with a game, a winnable game at home to Fulham. Possibility of two straight wins, possible. That would be great. But how do you see the season as a whole panning out now? Um, assuming nothing dramatic that we don't know is going to happen. How do you see it going? Um, I see... Uh... I see it going a bit, a bit more of a roller coaster, to be honest. Um, I think the the home form is a major issue. I don't care what I don't know what the mm. factors is. I don't know why it is. Um, even when he first arrived, and I'm not saying I told you so, but I felt that the way that he plays suits playing away from home better than at home. Um, mm. I know that's uh, there's no fans that people might say oh, there's no fans, Johnny, but I do think that is a factor. Um, I would say they played some of those top sides away from home, so Everton. Tottenham, um, Man City, Leicester. So I actually think on home turf, there'll be no expectation on them against the likes of uh, so who's got to come. I'm just trying to think now. Um, all those teams, they played away. So um, <laughs> you know, there's actually no reason why they can't get something from those. Um, but the crucial games, bottom line, the season's going to be defined with those those games against away to West Brom, at home against Fulham, away to Sheffield United, you know, they are the games that are going to decide it. And if actually they need to win them because they've been drawing those games and that will be mm. fundamental because I'm not quite sure about the total this season that will actually be required to stay up. I, I still think Newcastle could get dragged in. Um, yeah. Maybe even Palace, perhaps. I think they'll probably be all right because they seem to yeah. churn out results every so often that, that just give them that little bit of a boost. But they need to maintain that gap. I think it was a psychological boost as well. Not just because it had been so long since they got the win, but to stay above the bottom three. Once you get sucked yeah. in there, you're, you're the one that's got to push for results. And that I don't think will necessarily suit them. I think they're a confidence team. So I think that helps. I thought the passing is crisper in the last couple of games. 
and that comes with confidence. A win will give them confidence. In a way, I think it's actually a shame they've got the Blackpool game. I think they would like to have probably gone straight into that Fulham match. Yes, um, yeah. But I think teams have caused Tottenham a few problems as well at times. I mean, Sheffield United even, like, at, you know, 2-1, you know, they weren't exactly coasting until that Dombele goal uh, went in. So, um, yeah, I, I, no, I think there's a lot to be positive about. It'd be really interesting to see how the new players fare and how much they're used. I think they'll be eased in because that is the policy. It doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're Tarek Lamptey or whoever you are, you will be eased into Kapovnik, um, Moda, and even Tau. I don't think we'll be starting every week. Um, just to ease them in. Um, but there's a lot of games, so they can be rotated. There might be more frustration from those team selections, um, but uh, but hopefully that, that, that win will give them the confidence to, um, to push on. But I still think, even if it comes down to it, and they need to pull out the bags and big results against some big teams, I still think this Albion side can do that. And they proved that not only in when, on Wednesday, but also on Saturday as well. Yeah, excellent. Well, Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. It's really good to get your ideas on, pleasure, on pleasure. how the season's gone and how it might go. Um, we look right. forward to hopefully welcoming you back at some point um, yeah, soon. Um, in the meantime, um, thank, thank you very much. And we'll, uh, we'll speak again, I'm sure, in due course. Um, so thank you to you. Andy, if you want to stay on for a little bit of injury time, um, in the meantime, thanks again to Johnny. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. Yeah, Johnny, thanks. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers. Okay, so that was uh, Johnny. We are still, uh, the two of us, going into stoppage time now, Andy. Just a couple of quick points to to go through then um, off the back of what we've just said with with Johnny there. Um, First of all, um, what's your take on on those opinions? Do you agree with that? And anything you'd like to add regarding, particularly about the squad um, observations? Because I I think with Trossard, I agree with you, by the way. I think he has been inconsistent, but a consistent run of games might help him. Um, which is what Johnny was saying. But yeah. overall, though, in terms of the well, squad, thought, what else are we talking yeah. about here? Well, I thought in terms of Trossard, it's interesting that Trossard seems a bit disappointed as well. So that actually made me feel a bit better. Um, hmm. What I liked, one of the things I loved about the Leeds game was at the end where the two centre-halves are celebrating the fact they got a clean, clean sheet. Because um, yes. you know, defenders, really, that's what you should live for. As good as Webster was moving forward with the ball, and he was really impressive, actually. Um, you know, you've got to live and die. You live and die by your clean sheets, really. Um, I think that, I mean, I, I've said it quite a few times about um, Solly March. And I remember, I remember when Johnny was talking there that it, when, we, when he came up to our meeting at Seagulls over London, and we talked about somebody at that point who, you know, was in the squad who could go on to the next level. Solly March was the one that came out and it was a big um and ah in. And like I said, I thought at the end of last season, um, or certainly um, come March time, but I thought his his time in the Premiership might might be up, and he might have to he might have to go. But um, you know, Potter in that you know wing back position, I think has rescued his Premiership career, Premier League mm. career, quite frankly, and he's looked as good as anybody over the season so far. Um, I think with Tarek Lamptey. I mean, I, I mean, generally speaking, whenever he's played, we've looked a better team. I think the I get the defensive bit as well that you know he's so far up, someone can drop in from the midfield. But I think also often they've started putting two players on him, so it's it has nullified his um you know his potency going forward a little bit. But actually, that that means that they're actually spending time defending their forwards are defending against our defender and that's quite a quite a reversal really and it makes them think about how they're going to play against us I think um 
you know, um, in terms of the midfield, Alzati, I mean, I, I have to just conclude that he's either got an injury or there's something about him at the moment that Potter doesn't really trust. And that's why he's not really playing him. Um, I think that, um, I think McAllister might be another one of those that actually needs to play a number of games in, in, in yeah. his preferred position. And then up front, it's interesting, really, you know, can he find a combination of those sort of, you know, um, forwards and the more attacking, creative midfielders? Can he create a combination there that gives us more chances? Because there are certain games that we score a goal like we did on Saturday against Leeds that looks, you know, looks fantastic, beautiful on the eye, you know, but then we have other games where we just seem to get it into the box and then we, we just seem to get crowded out, lose the ball and it all breaks down or we keep the ball by playing it back and going again. So, um, you know, I th I'm, I'm kind of, I, I'd like to say I'm really optimistic, but I'd be lying because I think it could go either way. But I don't think it's too far away um, from us actually ending up mid-table and, and wondering what we were all worrying about at, at Christmas. You know, it doesn't yeah. take much, yeah. but if that doesn't happen, then it could easily go the other way. And I think, you know, when I was just having a look at the, um, at the table again, and if you take... Arsenal out of it in 11th you've got to go up to 8th Southampton is the only you know that's the the next lowest team that we've lost against in the league hmm. so we're not we're not far off are we even when we play Man City we're not far off and unlike maybe at times in the past where we've played Man City and we've huffed and a puff but we we didn't look like we might do anything we look like we might get something out of those, those kind of games this time around I don't think we're too far off it but um, it's whether he can get enough out of them to get us over the line, really. Yeah, yeah. just a couple of points on that. I think, first of all, um, Johnny was talking about uh, a scenario where maybe you have someone like McAllister in his 10 role with two wider attackers at like Trossard and Tau. It could be a case that we do play with a false nine type of setup in some games. Other ones, we might have a Lalana or a proper as, as the deeper attack in mid, if, if that makes sense with pay benefiting from having wide attackers alongside him, who knows. Um, but in terms of the, the current state we're at, this halfway stage, I do feel that we've gone into a potentially massively important, um, pivotal stage of the season because we were desperate for a win. Um, for various reasons, we didn't get as many as we should have done. We got that win against Leeds at a key moment when we were just, you know, it was only a matter of time before we were going to drop in the bottom three if we didn't get it. Now we've jumped from two to five points ahead of Fulham. Suddenly we've got Fulham in our next league game. If we win that, we go eight ahead of them. I think West Brom would still only be able to maybe slightly narrow that gap. Um, so we, we could get into a position where everything suddenly looks a lot more relaxed if we beat Fulham, which of course isn't the foregone conclusion. But um, suddenly things look more optimistic. But as you said, it's still a very, very key stage that we've got to weather and negotiate haven't we, before we can get to where we hope we'll be which is that mid-table and you mentioned Southampton which is interesting because I was going to bring them up anyway Southampton in the first two seasons that we were in the Premier League and I think also from what I remember the previous year when we were still getting promoted had looked a poor team they'd look very similar to Newcastle do at the moment in in other words they were not a good team they weren't very good to watch and they were getting dangerously close to the relegation zone, teetering around there all the time, which is exactly what we've been doing this season. And look where Southampton, even though they had the, the battering they had of 9-0 last year, even then they were able to go from, from that particularly um, violent, <laughs> jarring moment in their season 
to step on and do what they're doing now, which, I mean, I saw their game in Leicester the last time out uh, from the weekend and it looked a really good game between two really good teams and, and Southampton in general, when they played us, um, we probably should have been able to engineer a draw there, but they, they had the opportunity, they took it, they win the game. They're a good team now and they've still got the same manager as they had for half of that time I've just described. Um, if we can weather the storm as they've done, maybe we can be in the position Southampton are in in a year or two years from now, having survived in, in the Prem. That would be the ideal scenario, wouldn't it? I think I could see us as being the Saints of now. Yeah. I think, if, I mean, for me, if we can if we can develop a little bit more now around game management mm. and if we could in, in the next, sort, I mean, I don't know who we've got, but in the next six or seven games, if we could get, say, four clean sheets in seven games, I wouldn't be surprised if we did that, we'd win three of those and maybe and we yeah. draw the draw the other one. You know, and all of a sudden that's that's 10 points. You know, we're 27 points. We're kind of we're sort you know, we're on we're on the way really. It, it doesn't take a lot. I mean you look at Fulham, you know, Fulham have put on some really good performances lately. Their fans when we spoke to them, you know, they were quite positive and full of hope and you know the way they were playing. But the fact yeah. of the matter was is that they, they, they've kind of drawn five or six or think five out of six and they're still in there, you know, and yet a couple of, you know, two or a couple of wins, three wins on the trot and all of a sudden for any of those teams down there, you're kind of like, you're going to be out and in mid table and, you know, hopefully yeah. looking up and not back. I think it's as tight as that. And it's, um, and I think really that the key might come from trying to get a couple of um, clean sheets and then hoping that we can at least get a goal up front. You know, yeah. I, I just wish we were a team that could get that second goal. It might have my heart a little bit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> at least we didn't concede the lead this time once we got it. <laughs> well, well exactly, yeah. But you know, you couldn't you couldn't sit there thinking, well, we're definitely we're fine. We're, we're not going to concede. It was always like, will we? Will we? Will we? Won't we? Yeah. You know? I was strangely two things on the on the game from the from the Leeds match. We've um, already talked about it in the previous pod, but um, two things. One one is I was strangely confident on match day. Somehow I had a, I had a hunch. I thought we were going to do all right here. I just felt the combination of, I don't know, it was um, hearing the news that we'd won four out of five games, which I didn't realise at at Ellen Road. um, That I don't know, it was having the Celeste music on at the beginning of the the theme for Sky, Brighton Girl. Um, I don't know, just it felt like um, all all the stars were aligning. And I don't know, I felt strangely confident with the team that was going out. I felt that Phillips missing was going to be a key issue. Um, we could get in behind them. We've got a bit of a hex on them. And I felt we could get the result. Having got that result, um, if we can beat Fulham, then that changes the balance again, because then we've got Spurs 31st of Jan at home. Um, if we've won a, won a home game and we've won two games in a row, then we go into a game against a Spurs side that's a little bit wobbly at the moment. Um, and then we have a more confident Albion you feel can beat Spurs um, or get a result yeah. of some sort. I mean, the but way, this is all speculation, of course. But. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but I mean, the way I look at the, the the league this season, even at the top, you know, they're they're all games that you feel you could get something out of, and some of them we have. I mean, we've already, um, you know, we weren't too far off against Tottenham, and we got a point against um, Liverpool and Man United. We should have we should have beaten, you know, and and Man City yeah. want want that much better than us on the night, and that's a Man yeah. City team at the moment who's looking like they might they might actually win the league this year again, you know. Yeah. So I think that, I think, yeah, and Tottenham, you know, why not really? If we go into it with confidence and if we get an early goal and a bit of momentum, 
you know, or if Kane and um, Son are having a slightly off day, I think I think we you can score goals against them. I mean, they can score goals themselves clearly, but you know, we can score goals against them. And um, and I and I just think that um, you know, it's it's just it's just really whether we can get our noses in front and get a bit of confidence, you know, and and feel that we're going to score and we're going to keep a clean sheet, and then and then we we'll, we'll, I think we'll be fine. Um, you know, it's fragile because those things can flip the other way, you know, yeah. as well, really. Yeah. It, it all started well, didn't it? Looking just to look at the first three results of the season, we had the three-one defeat home to Chelsea, which was un, deemed as unlucky by all of the media. We, we should have deserved a draw already from that one. We then had the handsome four-nil win over our South Coast rivals Portsmouth in the League Cup, the three-nil win at Newcastle, and of course then you think, okay, one one good performance against Chelsea, disappointing result. One really good performance against Newcastle and a handsome away win, everything's hunky dory. Then we beat Preston two-nil away in the League Cup. And we were incredibly unlucky in that Man United game that I alluded to at the beginning of the pod. So, you know, we'd started really well, albeit some of the results were already on that unlucky trajectory that we became all too familiar with as time went on. And um, we then went into a, yeah, a bit of a, a mixed bag, didn't we? But if you look at the games coming up after Fulham and Spurs, you've got Liverpool away, who currently seem to be in the habit of dropping two points in every game at the moment, it feels like. Um, don't know if they'll carry that on into, into Feb. But Feb becomes a key month because we've got Burnley away, we've got Villa at home, we've got Palace at home, and then we've got West Brom away. So there are some winnable games in there as well if we come yeah. into them with confidence and a, and a more relaxing position in the table to yeah. to, to work from. But um, I mean, we'll that could see. be quite a season-defining month, couldn't it, February, looking at yeah. those games. You know, if you yeah. get your fair share of points against those four teams, then you're probably pretty much, at, you know, safe. Um, but if you don't, then um, you're you're going to be right in amongst it and deservedly so, really. Yeah. So, we'll see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Yeah. So just a final word, halfway through the season, half-time report, um, are we going to survive? And where are we going to finish? Yeah. That's a Took a deep breath. I think we will, we will survive. Yes, I think we will survive. And I think we will come around about 15th again. Uh, but I think we might end up with less than 41 points. Mm, I was last year was yeah. 41, wasn't it? I think we'll end up yeah. with less points this season than the last points, but last, last season. But I think that'll be enough to keep us up. Yeah. Get me on another day and um, I could tell you something completely different. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it goes, isn't it? Well, before we got the Fulham game, we've, next up we've got Blackpool. So we'll uh, we'll see if we can progress in the cup, first of all. Um, Andy, thank you very much for joining me. We'll round off the episode there. So um, until next time, guys, it's Stand or Fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.